0: Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name for your goodness. We thank you for your word, for the Spirit of God, the anointing. We thank you that you said the anointing abides in us, and we believe for that anointing to be released, to minister life to each and every one of us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. I wanted to, how many of you like the, this stage? I had nothing to do with that. Mati back there, wherever she's at, she would put this together, so we want to thank Mati, and uh, she's in charge of our stage, and uh, her sister, Vicki, is out of town, and um, so Kiana's sister, Trinity, from Colorado Springs, came down to play the drums for us, so we're thankful for Trinity. I put my name in the hat, but they didn't pick me, but anyway... We're glad to have all the moms here. This is this is a good, really good joke that I really love. I usually don't say jokes all the time because you usually laugh in the middle of my sermons anyway. But anyway, um, there was this husband and wife, they were really having an argument, so they went into the silent treatment mode. And not wanting to give in, you know, neither one of them would say anything to each other, but the... Husband realized the next morning he had to wake up at 5 a.m. to fly out on a business trip. And so his wife always woke him up and was in charge of that. So he didn't want to give in and lose. So he wrote on a note: please wake me up at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. I have a flight to catch. And he put the sticky note in a place where he knew that she would see it. The next morning he woke up at 8 a.m. He was furious. And he was getting ready to get up and just really let his wife know that he was upset when he realized on the bedside table there was a note that said, It's 5 a.m., it's time to wake up. (laughs) You know, men are just not equipped uh, for these kinds of contests. You know, you will lose. You might as well just give in. Oh, laughter doeth good like a medicine, you know. Amen. John chapter 16, verse 33 is our scripture that we've been saying every Sunday. And just to encourage you, Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have perfect peace and confidence in the world. You have tribulation, you have trials, distress, and frustration, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you. And I've conquered it for you. Amen. Amen. Jesus has did all that he did from the death, burial, and resurrection for you and me. Hallelujah. I just think it's amazing. Years ago, uh, I was invited. There were some of us ministers who got together. And, uh, and each one of us had to take a, a scripture out of um, when Jesus was on the cross and so I got the one about Jesus saying, uh, Mary, behold, your son. Looked at John. John, behold, uh, your mother. And I, that was mine. We, we drew, and I drew that one. And I went, dear Lord, I've got to say something about that one. And this was probably about 20 years ago. And, man, I'll tell you what, uh, I, I got some really great insight on this scripture In the middle of redemption, the most important time in the history of all time. Wouldn't you agree? That was the most important time of all time was when Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection. And here's Jesus on the cross. And he stops the plan of redemption momentarily. He hits the pause button. And he looks down at his mom to make sure that she's going to be taken care of. Wow. I mean, he's, don't, you, don't you think he had a lot on his mind when he was up on the cross? Don't you think, I mean, he was going to get ready to become the sin, to be made sin? He was going to uh, take on the curse of all mankind. He was going to become cursed for us so that we could be redeemed from it, Galatians 3.13. And right in the middle of redemption, he puts it on pause and he says, Mom, behold your son. And he looked at John, his disciple, and he said, John, behold your mom. The Bible says from that time on, John took care of Jesus' mother. That is powerful. I mean, he, he didn't have to do that. But it's recorded throughout all history for us to read that I'm telling you, Jesus wanted to make sure that mama was taken care of. I believe that Jesus still wants mama to be taken care of. Amen? I preached, uh, I remember last Mother's Day, I preached on 1 Corinthians 14. And I'm just going to mention it, I'm not going to rehash that out. But, um, you know, when I was growing up, that uh, in church, women were not supposed to say anything, teach anything, just clean just take care of the bathrooms in the church but for heaven forbid for a woman to get up behind the pulpit it was just not allowed and there was a few scriptures that they always would quote in first corinthians chapter 40 it says let your women keep silent you know so everybody would build on that but if you study that out i said this last year first corinthians is a letter in response to the corinthian people the corinthian church And there is a small quotation in the Greek and that Jesus was actually reprimanding them saying that, uh, you know, do you think God's word originated with you? You know, anytime that you see something that's really so different that you think, what did God mean by that? Sometimes scriptures are wrapped in a cultural package, so to speak. It's the culture of that time. And what we have done, I said we, the church has done sometimes, they'll take that cultural thing and then they'll make a doctrine out of it. But you have to, when you read something like that, you have to ask yourself, is this consistent from Genesis to Revelation, number one, And is it just for the the cultural part of that time? You know, like, uh, women, make sure that you have a head covering. I'm looking throughout here, and nobody has a head covering. But Paul said that. Well, you know why? Because in that town, in the temple, there was a temple of prostitutes. And they would braid their hair and everything. So he said... If your hair is braided, make sure that you have a covering so you, everybody knows you're not a prostitute. So we, they insisted on had, having women head coverings. I remember when we were missionaries in Africa, Melody's mom, they would invite her to, to speak in certain churches out in the villages and stuff. And there was this one church that believed in head covering. And so they said, well, we want you to come and speak the word of God to us. And we require you to wear a head covering. So here's Mama Hagemeyer. She's putting her head covering on, and she goes, and she preaches. You think, well, is that hypocritical? No. Because if she didn't do that, they're not going to hear what she has to say. It was also a custom when we were in Africa that women would... uh, should not wear pants or shorts. Why? Because prostitutes in Calimi wore pants and shorts at that time. I I believe it's changed now. I'm not for sure. Is it changed now? It's changed. changed. Thank the Lord. And all the women said, amen. (laughs) But if you, back when we were there, all of the missionaries wore dresses. Why? Because they didn't want people to think, first of all, that you're a prostitute. Hey, pants, prostitute. Just really wouldn't be good for you know the missionaries to be walking around with that mentality, and so when you step into the a culture like that, you don't just snap your fingers and say, "I'm going to change this." See, it's changed now, and it took years, maybe decades, for that to be changed. It's that way in the Bible. The Bible, you know, people say, you know, in the Bible it talks about slavery or slaves and everything. Well, there again, it was it, it was the what was going on at that time? And so the, the disciples just didn't snap their fingers, but this is what they did do. They said, uh, you know, especially Paul when he had Onesimus. Onesimus. It was a guy who was a slave, and it started with an O. But anyway, his name was but uh, Philemon. And uh, he ran away, and, but Onesimus got saved. He got born again, and he ran into Paul. And so Paul knew who his owner was, and so he wrote him a letter and and sit there and said, he has been born again, and so you treat him like a brother. Like a brother. I mean, as far as women's rights go, Jesus was the most awesome thing for women's rights that the world has ever seen. Women back in that day were just property they had no say-so, had no say-so whatsoever. So uh, uh, I just know that God wants all women to know that you're highly favored. You're highly favored. And Paul praised women in Romans chapter 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And so uh, you, you read... Things like in 1 Corinthians 14 and then 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says to be silent. And so, this is what Paul says this is going to be where he banged the nail and said, This is what you really need to know. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you As we're baptized into Christ, you've put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Woo! So he's saying basically in a, in a nutshell that this is our identity. This is who you are. You are in Christ. So don't put so much emphasis, you know, that, you know, women still try to do this and men still try to do this, that, you know, well, I, I come from a certain background or I can't do this because I'm a woman or I, I can't do this because of my race or I can't do this, fill in the blank. And God is saying, this is who you really are. You are in Christ. Let all of those chains fall off of you. No matter what the world says, this is what I say. Amen. Praise God. You know, and so after a while, you know, little by little, you know, people say, you know, Melody speaks here from time to time, Vicki's spoken, Tiffany's spoken, we've had women speak here before, and uh, I remember when we first moved to Pueblo West, we had some neighbors, they've since moved, but uh, they were an older couple, and Melody invited them over, and so we were having supper one night, and so we began to talk about, I was a pastor, and they were Christians, and they went to a certain church, and lo and behold, the subject came up, not from me, about how women should be kept silent in church. There was just enough Kentucky redneck in me that I, I was not silent. So I began to talk to them. I says, no, that's not what it means, and you know, and so... I, Melody, my darling, beautiful, awesome, sweet wife, realized that the blood pressure was rising in my neck. So I got a, a lovely kick underneath the table. <laughs> so we changed the subject. But um, anyway, people, are, uh, you just, people, if you're deceived and don't know it, you just don't know it. And there's times that you can't do anything to try to convince them this is what the word really means. And so you just be a light and love them. I'm going to say that again. You just need to love people. There's two things that you know that you're yielding to love. I wasn't going to go there, but here we go. You know, in First Corinthians 13, it talks about, you know, this is what love is. This is what love isn't. And did you know that the love of God is in you? 100% the love of God. Everybody say amen if you know that. The love of God is in you. It's in you. You don't have to pray, Lord, give me more of your love. Help me to, you know, just, no. If you want to pray anything about love, help your eyes to, to be opened up to what is in you. So, But this is how you know that you're yielding to love. Are you ready? If you're patient towards people, if you're kind towards people you're yielding to love. And if you're not patient with people and if you're not kind towards people, you're yielding to your flesh. It's pretty simple. And so this is what people do. I'm just, I, I I'm not being kind and I'm not being patient. Lord, just give me more patience. It's a prayer that won't be answered. Why? Because he's already given you all of the patience, patience and kindness that you will ever need on this planet. Galatians 5:22 and 23 it says we've been given that. You've been given patience. You've been given kindness. King James version says long suffering. It's being patient, being kind, being faithful is in there. Goodness is in there. Faith is in all of these things are deposited on the inside of you. Joy and peace. People say, I just need more peace. All the peace you're ever going to get is already inside of you. The problem is with our mind that we don't think that it's in there. And so if it's always something out here that you're trying to run after, you're always going to keep running after it. And we always pray so religiously, God, give me more patience. Cricket, cricket, cricket. All of the patience is inside of you. So instead of saying, God, give me more patience, give me more kindness, saying, God. Help me to see what you put inside of me so I can yield to what's been placed inside of me. That'll set you free. You know, it's easier to walk in something that you know that you got instead of trying to get it out here. Healing is here. Where is it inside of you? Inside of you. Healing is inside of you. You've got to believe that. And I tell you what, that helped me when it came to healing because I was always pursuing healing, pursuing for God to, to, to heal me. God, just, oh, I got to have more faith so I can reach and attain something out here. But then when you find out that healing's on the inside of you, man, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier. It's in me. It's in me. I'm going to yield to that. I'm, I'm not going to believe I'm going to get that healing. I'm going to believe that the healing is in me. Therefore, I refuse and reject any symptom, or anything that says that I am not healed because I believe that I am. I reject anything that says I am poor and can't make it because I believe that the wealth of Almighty God is on the inside of me. I'm prosperous coming in and going out because wherever I go, prosperity goes. Wherever I go, healing goes. Wherever I go, Jesus Christ in me is the hope of glory in me, so I've got it. We're almighty. We are almighty. That was the title today. You want to follow along with this title today? You're going to go to rmfchurch.org and click on media, then notes. Danielle, usually she helps me. Um, she ought to be helping me preach right now, but anyway. <laughs> Women in ministry, you know, like I said, just, li- just listen to these few statements. Think of how often in Scripture that woman is the vehicle of ministry. Listen to this. Who prompted Jesus to perform his first miracle? Mary, his mama. Who ministered and provided for Jesus during his public ministry? Who provided for him financially? Women, Luke chapter 8, look it up. Women gave unto Jesus financially to help support him and 12 people with him. That took more in, the, in today's economy. You know, if I took 12 people with me and traveled around the United States, hotels and food and travel expenses, that would be more than a couple of dollars. Women did that. Who anointed the body of Jesus, when he, when he died, they anointed the, the body. Who did that? Women. Who stayed with Jesus throughout his trial and crucifixion? It was the women. John was the only disciple out of the 12, but all the women stayed with him. Who were the first witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus? Women. Who makes up the majority of the population of churches today? Ouch. I'm just saying that women are a mighty force in the kingdom of God. So are men. Don't get me wrong. But today's Mother's Day, so we're, that's what we're emphasizing. So men don't throw any rotten tomatoes at me. But this is the thing, that we're almighty. So everybody can chime in on this one. We're almighty. Joshua chapter 17, verse 14, it says this. The children of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, Why have you given us only one lot? And one share to inherit, since we are a great people or mighty people, inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now. So Joshua answered them, If you are a great, or if you are a mighty people, then go up to the forest country and clear a place for yourself. They are in the land of the Pizzarites and the Giants, since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. Now listen, this is get the picture. So these tribe of people come up to say, we are great and mighty people. We need more than just this one plot of land. So Joshua says, yeah, since you are great and mighty people, you take, I'm going to designate this land over here. It's got giants on it, but this is going to be your land. You following? The children of Joseph said, the mountain country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron. Both those who are of Bethshin and its towns and those who are the valley of Jezreel. So they said they were a mighty people. But now they're backing down. They're a little bit backing down from what they said. Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim, and to Manasseh saying, You are a great people and you have great power. You shall not only have one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours, although it is wooded. You shall cut it down, and its father's extent shall be yours, for you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. So this is what Joshua was saying. He's saying, you're saying you're mighty, but you don't really believe it in your heart. And what I'm saying to you is, You are a mighty people. You have the ability. You have the power. You have the grace inside of you to cut down the trees and defeat the Canaanites who have iron chariots. They will be nothing to you. You have the ability to do that. Now, go and do it. So, we are a mighty people. You know, the United States of America, we're a mighty nation then we need to be just that. We need to be mighty. We need to be the great nation who we think we are. We need to be the great church who we say we are. We need to display it in our daily life. You know, the kingdom of God is not just somewhere you go when you die. When I was growing up, it was always about going to heaven. And I'm thankful we're going to go there. It's like one person said, he says, but I need, I'm not going to need any help once I get to heaven. I need help in the nasty and now. This is where I need God to move. So the kingdom of God is actually the life that we demonstrate right here on this planet. If you believe that you have the kingdom in you, if you believe that you have Christ in you, then we need to start programming our mind and acting like that and demonstrating that instead of just we respond the same way that the world responds. Oh, gas is going up so much, we're not going to be able to do anything. It was probably about 15 years ago when Dad Hagemeyer in in Africa, they've been paying 5 and $6 a gallon for for decades over there, you know. Uh, But he said this years ago. He says... And in America, he said this when gas was still $2 a gallon and it started creeping up and everybody was talking about gas like they are now. And he said this, this is what I know, Mike, because I was one of those that was whining and complaining. "Uh, This is what I know, Mike, that if gas goes up to $5 a gallon, God will provide the finances for me to put gas in my tank. So it doesn't really matter how much it goes up if you believe that God will always provide. It doesn't really matter if, if beef and steak and all that, the meat in the grocery store goes up. You know, everybody, inflation's over 8%. If it goes up to $12 a pound, if it does this, if it does that or whatever, I know this one thing that it doesn't matter what it goes up to if you believe God will be able to always provide food on your table. What kind of God do you serve? What kind of God do you serve? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, To preach the message of the cross seems like sheer nonsense to those who are on their way to destruction. But to us who are on our way to salvation, it is the mighty power of God released. It's the mighty power of God released. It's the mighty power of God released within us. So the power is not up there. It's right here. Interpret it. It's not up there. It's right here. It's here in us. So this is something that we just have to keep training our mind and reprogramming our mind and saying that the power of God is in me instead of saying, God, send the power. We, I mean, there's some... You know, songs we were singing when we were growing up, send the power, send the power. Okay, it wasn't like that, but it, <laughs> it was about the power of being sent, and we were crying out for God, you know. There's a, one song, it says, uh, mercy, raindrops are falling, but for the blessings we plead. How I many of you remember that song? I'm not supposed to say I hate that song, but I hate that song. You know, it's raining, mercy raindrops, God's raining, but we're believing for this blessing. Listen, if Jesus wasn't enough for the death, burial, and resurrection, if he was not enough, you're going to tell me we need something else besides him? Do we need something else besides Jesus? So let's believe that what God did at the death, burial, and resurrection, what God did at redemption was enough for me to have Victory in every area of my life. It's enough. Don't let the world try to tell you anything different. in your mind. He said, it's the mighty power of God released within us. For it is written, I will dismantle the wisdom of the wise, and I will invalidate the intelligence of the scholars. I believe that's happening right now. All these so-called people that are smart, and they open up their mouth, and they talk foolishness. Psalms 112, 1 and 3. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. I was thinking about this scripture. It says his descendants. So it's kind of like looking at uh, parents and their children, that kind of descendants. But let me tell you, as far as a New Testament Believer, his descendants—that's Jesus—is descendants. Is where you and I come from. Our family tree is really short. It's Jesus and then me. It's Jesus, then you. Your family tree is really short. You know, I just have to study my family tree. Don't get me wrong. I we joined that ancestry.com and found out we're from all over creation. And it's interesting. But spiritually speaking, your family tree is really easy to follow. It's the cross and then you. It's Jesus, then you. His descendants. So the descendants of Jesus, they will be mighty on earth. Mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in Fort Knox. No, wealth and riches will be in your house. Everybody say, my house. my house. Wealth and riches will be in my house. They will be in my house, and his righteousness endures forever. His righteousness endures forever. Oh, I've ran out of time. We just need to be quick to believe this. You have to, we have to saturate our mind in this. I'm a descendant of God, therefore wealth and riches are in my house. His righteousness endures forever in me and my family, my kids. I'll tell you what, uh, you may think that, man, some of you may have kids that are just, I mean, they would make the hell's angels blush over some things they do. You know what I mean? (laughs) You may think, man, they're just running with the wrong crowd. They're being influenced by the wrong people. And there's really nothing I can do. They're adults now or, you know, they're maybe upper teens now or whatever, and I don't have any control or whatever. You got more control than what you think. You're just trying to control in the flesh. And everything they do irritates you even more, and you get madder even more. But you're not doing the silent treatment, writing a note and putting a sticky note. No, you're letting it all hang out. This is what my advice is for you is. You love them so much that it almost irritates them. And you pray for them and believe that they are God's kids. Quit seeing them as the hell's angels. Quit seeing them being this, quit seeing them being that, quit seeing, you start seeing them, they're the righteousness of God in Christ. God has hooks in their britches and they won't get very far. You know what I mean? You got to believe that and quit worrying about it. You know what your worrying means? That you don't believe God's going to do anything. You don't believe God's going to do anything. So it's all up to you. How's that been working for you so far? I'm telling you, you want to be set free and tick off the devil, just say, "Woo! my kids are blessed coming in and blessed going out. I see my kids. I shut my eyes, and I see them praising and worshiping God and just, just having a hallelujah fit. That's how I see my kids. And you may need to do that every time you hear a bad report or maybe they're in jail. Or maybe they're in some coke house somewhere or whatever they're doing. in some prostitute someplace. Man, you just got to get a hold of the word of God and say, My faith says that as for me and my house, we serve God. Amen. Believe God. Believe God. Don't be easy to just let your children go. No, sit there and say, No, 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 no. My kids, they come from me, and my descendants are blessed of God. Anything that came from me is going to be blessed. I don't care what they say. They may say, I don't want anything to do with your Jesus. I don't want anything to do with your God. Just smile and say, it's all right. It's all right. And then as they walk away, underneath your breath, you don't have the last word. It would be me, your father. And I'm not talking about Luke Skywalker either. But I am your father. Are you hearing me? Let me just read these scriptures real quick. All right? We'll close with this real quick. These are strength scriptures. They don't have them, so just everybody listen to me, all right? Psalms 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalms 18.32. He is the God who makes me strong who makes my pathway safe. Psalms uh, 1832, the Living Bible says, He fills me with strength and protects me everywhere I go. Joel 310, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. When your body feels like... the just death, you just need to look in the mirror and say, you're strong, Mike Davis. I don't care what your body says. This is what God says. This is what God says. Psalms 29, 11, The Amplified Version says, the Lord will give unyielding and impenetrable strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Seven, Psalms seventy one sixteen. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. Psalm 84.7, they go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Psalm, or Philippians 4.13, this is the Amplified. I really love this one. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. That's a slap you upside the head scripture. Mm. Ephesians 6.10, last one. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You have the ability to do everything and anything that you're called to do. God is faithful. You all need, all of us need to renew our mind and think differently about you're not some weak person. You're not just somebody. The kingdom of God is within you. All power has been given unto you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. You can believe for miracles to happen in your life. You say, well, it would take a miracle for my children to be born again, to be saved. Well, you serve a God who's in the miracle business. Listen. Listen. There's so many. I mean, Saul, who was later Paul, he was persecuting the church and having Christians killed. God slapped him off his horse, spoke to him, changed his life, and he wrote three fourths in the New Testament. I'm telling you, God is in the miracle business. You just need to believe for your kids, your loved ones, your relatives, your neighbors. The eyes with their understanding would be enlightened. God, whatever it takes—it takes a supernatural dream, supernatural miracle, an angel showing up and knocking on their doorstep. Angels are still real today. They didn't go away once the last apostle died and all the angels got sucked up to heaven, and that's where they live and stay. They don't dare touch this earth because it's dirty. They go about the father's business. Angels are still ministering to people today. Believe that. Believe that. Believe that the word. Believe some stranger. Believe for people to go across your path. Man, I tell you what. I can tell you the testimony of my life. I was running so fast and so hard away from God when I was a teenager. My mom, man, my sister put it on Facebook. She said she lived with her, with my sister, when uh, the last few years of her life, and she said. Uh, you know, I would hear her praying, Mike. You know, I would get up and just hear her praying all night long. And I thought, yeah, it was probably for me. You know, like, Dear Lord, help me protect it. I probably wouldn't be alive today if it was what some of those prayers. I've done some stupid, stupid things. Been in some dangerous situations. But I'm telling you, prayer is a powerful thing. So no no, and you know what the great thing is? She she died in 1999, but those prayers are living, strong, and are real today. They never cease. People who've prayed over your life—maybe it was your grandparents, great grandparents, great 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 grandparents—that you don't know anything about—they prayed for their kids. I prayed. I said to my kids, I told God, I prayed to a thousand generations. If you tarry. So to a thousand generations after me, they're going to be taken care of. They're going to be lovers of God. Let's stand. Hallelujah. You're mighty. You are mighty. You are mighty. You are mighty. And the goodness of God, the power of God is in you today. I'm going to pray for you. But if there's anyone here that needs prayer on my left and your right, these people will pray for you. If you're here today, man, you say, man, you're talking about God. I don't even know if I know God. They can help you with that. They can help you find him and to know him and put you on the right path. They'll pray with you about Jesus being the Savior of your soul, the Savior of your life. They'll pray for you. If you're hurting in your body, we believe the word of God. It says, believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's what the word says. It's not my opinion. I don't believe in that stuff. It probably won't happen to you. But I'm telling you, if you do want to believe in that, these people can pray for you. Anything in your life. You want to pray for your kids, come up and they will agree with you. Anything that you need prayer today, don't leave. I know everybody wants to get out. It's only 11 away, so you can beat everybody else. Let me pray for you. Father, I just believe in Jesus' name, your goodness, your mercy. For all of our eyes to be open, for our minds to be renewed, to, to know that you created a mighty church, created mighty people, and that the kingdom is within us and that we can do your bidding, your will, everywhere we go, we are a light that shines in a dark place. So we thank you for helping each and every one of us, God, to hear your voice, to be led by the Holy Ghost. He leads us and guides us in all truth. And he even shows us things to come. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.